Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma, and I'm so glad to have you here with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you along. I hope you really enjoyed today's guest because I know I did. Before we get to her, though, I just want to remind you that you can find all the information for today's guest, all the details about her book, and a very handy link to purchase the book on my website, which is liztolsma.com. So just stop over there and you'll see all that information there, as well as a transcript from today's recording. Be sure to check out Christian Historical Fiction Talk on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. So check us out. See what's happening over there. Every now and again, I'll post some questions for you or a poll or something like that. So stop by and put your input in. Let's have a chat over there. Okay, that brings us to today's guest. She is a country girl born and raised on a farm in the outer bluegrass region of Kentucky. Her family grew tobacco and corn. They had some milk cows, hogs, and sheep, and she grew up working on the farm and loving the woods and the animals, so her roots go deep in the land, and she now lives on a farm just a mile away from the farmhouse where she was born and raised. She started writing when she was 10 and has been writing ever since, including pieces in church periodicals. Her first historical romance about the settling of Kentucky was published in 1978. Since then, she's published over 30 other novels for adults and young adults. She's married and blessed with three wonderful children and nine amazing grandchildren that she spoils every chance that she gets. She likes walking in the fields and the woods, finding wildflowers and spotting birds and wildlife. She has a brand new dog in her house by the name of Frankie. He's a mix of crazy and sweet. Her latest book is Along a Story Trail, so she's going to tell us a little bit more about herself and about the book. So please help me welcome Anne Gebhardt to the show today. Welcome to the show, Anne. It's so good to have you with us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's always fun to talk about books and writing, and especially when I have a new release coming out on Along a Story Trail. So I'm glad to be here to talk with you, Liz. There's nothing better than I love talking a good book. So why don't you go ahead and start by introducing yourself to the listeners? All right. I'm Ann H. Gabhart. I stick that little H in my name on my writer's books. Along a Story Trail is my 35th published book. It's my 21st, I think, in the inspirational market. I had a number of books published for young adults several years ago, plus a couple of historical romances in the general market. But since 2005, I've been publishing in the inspirational market. I love writing inspirational fiction. I enjoy being able to include a character's faith journey along with the other adventures I might follow them down their story trail with. But I'm a country girl. I live out in the country still and grew up on a farm here in Kentucky. Love dogs and my grandkids. And I'm not sure what else you need to know about me, but I'm sure Liz will ask me something. (laughs) Sure will. Sounds like a great life 
I drove through the Kentucky countryside on Sunday, in fact, and I always love that drive. It's so beautiful and so scenic and the farms out there, a great place to live, I imagine. I sort of live on the edge of the bluegrass horse country. More in my area, it's usually cattle farms or beef cattle farms. When I was a kid growing up, it was a lot of tobacco farms. Now, it seems like you make money. The best way to make money on your farm is to sell it for people to build houses on it. But I still live on a farm. My husband's retired, but I still get to walk on the farm and enjoy all the outdoors. Wonderful. So your new release is Along a Storied Trail. Would you please tell the listeners a little bit about this new book? I had written a couple of books set in the Appalachian Mountains previously. They had history of the Frontier Nursing Service, these healing hills, and an Appalachian summer. And some of my readers, they sent me a message that about these pack horse librarians, and they said, you ought to write a book about that. So I began to do some research into the pack horse librarians that were work project during the Great Depression in the 1930s. And I said, yeah, that's a pretty good, interesting story. And so I began to consider how my bookwoman, my fictional bookwoman, could deliver books to people in her neighborhood and introduce all the other characters to go with it. But the background history is the WPA projects during that time, especially the Pack Horse libraries that they started for those communities in eastern Kentucky that had Most had never had any library services, and a lot of them weren't able to get to town, even if there had been a library. So they came up with a program where these book women, women that they hired through the WPA projects to take books up to people on their horseback or mules. They carried them in saddlebags and loaned them out to the people for a couple of weeks. And in two weeks, they would make the return trip around to gather up those books and offer them some new books. So that was fun history to research. That really is. That sounds like an interesting occupation for young women during that time. So they just took these books up to the hills. They did it summer, winter, spring, fall, and any kind of weather? They did. It was sort of a thing that they felt they were bound to complete their journeys or their their routes. They went through any kind of weather. One woman that I read about, one book woman, her mule died, and she then went on her route on foot and carried the books to the people. So they had a lot of dedication. I think uh, I make my heroine be a book lover, and I feel like probably most of the book women were book lovers who enjoyed taking the books up and providing this service for their neighbors and friends. Although they did, this was a way to, for them to make some money. They didn't make a lot, but they didn't supply books. The government didn't supply books. They only paid for the book women salary, a monthly salary. And so the towns that wanted to have one of these back, pack horse libraries, they had to come up with a place, a room or a little building where they could have a library in, in their local area. And then they got books through contributions mostly. Sometimes big city libraries would be throwing away books that were about worn out, and they'd send them down to the Pack Horse libraries 
and they would try to piece them back together and tape them up and make books that they could take out to the people. Then the PTA people in in Kentucky got interested and they collected pennies from the kids, gave pennies to buy books for these pack horse libraries. So it was it was an interesting thing that everybody sort of jumped in and helped these people have books to look at. Wow, the dedication to libraries and to books is just really amazing. I just I don't think you find that in young people today. So it's really great to read about people who love books so much that they are willing to go on foot carrying books up into the mountains just so people could read. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I admired their dedication. You know, it, I have a scene in my book about Tansy, that's my heroine, the bookwoman in my book, going through a, a cold winter creek. And when she gets to the next house, she can't get her feet out of the stirrups because they're frozen to the stirrups where she got wet in the creek. And that's actually from some research that I actually read about that they said sometimes their feet did freeze to their stirrups after they had ford the creeks and ride the trails in the wintertime. Wow. I loved that scene too. I was just kind of laughing and it's really cool to know that that actually happened in real life. Now, this book is about libraries and librarians and books and reading. When you were younger, when you were a kid, were you one of those that just sort of spent your entire summer in the library and came out carrying a stack of books that you'd read in no time at all? Well, I was a farm girl, you remember, so I had plenty of of chores and had to help my dad on the farm because he had three girls and no sons, so we were out there helping on the farm whenever he needed help. So I didn't get to read all the time, but any time I got a chance, I was ready to grab that book and do some reading. My mom took me to the library or took us to the library every week so that we could get new books to read. And I can still remember how nice it was just to lay down somewhere or sit down somewhere and just read and read without having any chores that day for some reason or other. So it was always fun to have come back from the library with, as you say, a stack of books. Exactly. I love the characters in Along a Storied Trail, especially you mentioned Tansy and Aunt Purdy. They're really colorful, interesting, unique characters. How do you go about drawing such wonderful characters like that? Well, of course, the mountain people are, are sort of individuals, But I think my characters come to life in in most of my stories, or hopefully all of my stories. I like for them to show some personality. And of course, I loved writing about Perdita, or Aunt Purdy. I'm not sure what that says about me, but I really enjoyed that contrary (laughs) old lady when I was able to write about her. But, you know, the people just sort of come to life for me while I'm writing their story. And that's good, because I like for them to take on a life of their own and not necessarily just what I maybe thought they might be, but then they sort of become their own people while the story gets written. Who was your favorite character in Along a Story Trail to write? 
Well, that would have had to have been Perdita Sweet because of her contrary nature, but she also had a real feel for the Lord, I thought, and she, she'd had some rough times, and things hadn't always gone her way, and she was sort of just ready to shut out the world, but she gave Tansy a hard time, too, because Tansy was related, a second cousin or something, but she was definitely the one that was easiest for me when it was her point of view, then the words just came really fast because I guess I was just right there with Perdita and being a crouchy old woman, maybe. (laughs) I doubt that, but I did love Aunt Perdy. I thought she was fabulous and a whole bunch of fun. And it's funny how sometimes the quirkiest characters are the easiest to write. Do you find that's the case? Well, I think so. You know, I had several characters in this book. Tansy wasn't hard to write. She, you know, she had that love of books and that that dream of, of romance that just wasn't quite there for her most of the time. Could be that sometimes a character is a little harder to come to life, but if I can get them talking to one another, then things go much better in my book. I like the dialogue, writing dialogue probably better than anything else that I write when I'm writing a book. I would have to agree with you that there. I love writing dialogue. And like you said, getting the characters to start talking to each other. How did you go about getting your start in writing? What got you penning these words so many years ago? Well, when I was a little girl, I liked to read, of course, and I liked to read Hardy Boy mystery books. I thought it would be great fun if I could be like them and solve a mystery. Now, I didn't want to be a hardy boy. <laughs> I wanted to be a hardy girl, but I did want to solve that mystery. Now, where I grew up out here in the country on the farm, it wasn't likely that I was going to ever stumble across any mysteries to solve. So I decided to write my own mystery, starring myself, a much cuter, much less shy and probably smarter girl than I actually was. But that's the fun part of fiction. You can sort of change things the way you want them to be. And I had my sister and my cousin as my sidekicks, and I would write a chapter, and then they'd read it, and then I'd write another chapter, and we had a lot of fun with the book. I never did finish it. I got us stuck in a cave, and I guess I didn't know how to get us out, and so I sort of put the book aside and got older and started writing teenage stories that nobody in their right mind would want to read now. But eventually, I got married very young, had two children by the time I was 19, but I never lost that desire to write and to write something that other people might read. So I took a correspondence course. I grew up out there, like I said, in the country. I had never known anybody who was a writer. I didn't really know how to go about finding out about writing. I had bought the Writer magazine, which opened some doors to me. And then when I took this course, more doors were open, and I began to see how to improve my writing. The last lesson in the course was to write an outline for a novel. Well, I'd never liked writing outlines, so I wrote the novel instead. (laughs) And in the process, I discovered that that's what I wanted to write. I had sold some short pieces to, to church magazines previous to this, 
after I wrote that first novel, I knew that that was the kind of writing I wanted to do. And I've been writing novels ever since. Oh, how much fun. I would love to read that little story that you started when you were a child. And I'd love to find out how they got out of the cave. I think you have to get them out of the cave. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure that I do still have that somewhere, I'm sure, because, you know, writers, well, there are two kinds of writers. There's a kind like me that think they can never throw away a story. And then I've read about other writers that get so discouraged that they completely destroy their all their stories. But so far, I just have mine all stuck on a shelf somewhere. And what is it about writing that you enjoy the most? Well, I've I've read that some writers say, having written, (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes writing can be really difficult, sort of like grubbing. If you know what grubbing is, that's where you take a big heavy hoe and, and you grub up roots or rocks or something out of your garden patch. But sometimes it feels like that when I'm writing, you know, that I'm having to grub up all the words and work really hard to come up with the story. Because even though a lot of people think writing is simple and easy, and when they try it, they find out it's not always that easy. But I do like having a story come to life. And and my best part is when I finish it, I get to read it over and and find out, oh, you know, I think that story worked after all. And then I get to edit. I don't mind editing if it's my idea to edit. I like tightening the story and making it the best I can make it. But I just like having the story come together, I guess. Yeah, that's always nice when that happens, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Now, you mentioned being a reader and a reading fan. What's the favorite book that you've ever read? I get that I get that question asked sometimes, and it's always difficult for me to answer because I've liked so many different books. I'm a person that can read a lot of different kinds of books. I don't necessarily have to always read mysteries or always read romances or historicals. I sort of like a mixture. I think one of the books, though, that awakened me to a certain kind of writing was, and I'm probably not going to say his name right, but Shem Potok, The Chosen. Oh, yeah. He is about two Jewish boys. That, uh, there's two of them. I'm not remembering the other title right this minute. But when I read that book, he really made those characters come to life for me. And I wanted to make my characters come to life like that. But there's been other books, too. When I was oh maybe 14, on one long Thanksgiving weekend, I read Gone with the Wind from first sentence to last sentence. So that was a, that was exciting for me at the time. So it's always fun to have books like that, that you can remember the fun of reading. It sure is. And that's quite a feat to read Gone with the Wind in one weekend. So kudos to you. I suppose there weren't many chores that weekend. Probably not. <laughs> I, I pretty much read and read and read. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun to have a weekend like that where you can just read. So what's up next for you? I actually wrote the end on last Friday, I think. I am now going back and cutting out the words that are not necessary. And the book, I have it titled, 
a working title, When the Meadow Blooms. And it's a little different for me. It's a, set in a rural area about a man who was badly burned in a fire when he was 20, 21, and he lost his love at the time. And he's sort of been a recluse ever since. And then his brother's wife, his brother dies, and his brother's wife and two daughters are having struggles. And they have, he finds out that he has to do his duty to rescue them from their bad situation and bring them to his farm. And this story is about how his heart is awakened again and, and these girls teach him how to love again. Oh, that sounds like a beautiful story. We'll definitely be looking forward to that when that comes out. If readers would like to connect with you, where can they go to learn more about you and connect with you? I have a website, www.annhgabhart.com. It has links to my blogs. I have a couple of blogs. One I post on twice a week and the other one I post on occasionally. It's the second one is sort of a fun blog that I started because of my books, Heart of the Holly Hill books, where I have a young character, Josie, who's 14 in those books, and she's one of the viewpoint characters. So I let her write a blog occasionally, and I used to do it more regularly, but time and things got busier for me, I guess. But also, you can connect with me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I'm on Instagram. I do Twitter some. So I do BookBub. BookBub will let you know about my book deals or my new book when it comes out. So if you're on BookBub, you could follow me there. Lots of different ways. You can read all about my books on my website. There's always a little sample of the books, too, along with how to buy them, buy links, and so forth. Well, great. That sounds like it's easy to find you and easy to find out more about you. Do you have any last words? Well, I do hope all the readers will give my book a try. And if they don't like that one, you know, I've written some mysteries too. So my mysteries are actually under A.H. Gabhart. I wrote three cozy mysteries. I've written books about the Shakers. I've written some family books that are based on my mom's memories of growing up during the Depression. They have the Rosie Corner books. I have a lot of variety, so you might not like one, but you might like the next one. Sure. It sounds like you have a wide variety to choose from, a little bit of something for everybody. I have some really great fans that have read a lot of my books, and when I did publish those cozy mysteries, that was sort of a departure for me. But I had uh, some great readers who said, you know, I don't normally read mysteries, but I'll try that one. So it's fun to have readers that are willing to dip into something new and give your books a try. Sure thing. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for right now. But thank you so much for joining us, Anne. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you and getting to hear a little bit more about Along a Story Trail. Well, thank you for having me, Liz. I enjoyed being here and talking with you. Thank you for being with us, Anne. It was a pleasure to have you on. We enjoyed learning a little bit more about you and about your book. What great fun it was. And please come back and see us again very soon. 
Remember, as I said at the beginning of the show, if you'd like to find out more about Anne or about her book, Along a Story Trail, or find a link to the book, you can do so at my website, which is liztolsma.com. All the show notes are over there. So please be sure to stop by and check those out. Well, on to our guest for next week. I'm super excited about this guest because I am super excited about her book. We are going to be having Susie Finkbeiner on with us, and she's going to be talking about her new book, The Nature of Small Birds. Now, technically, this is historical because part of it is set in 1975. Some of it is set a little bit later there, but it takes a look at the airlift of thousands of children out of Vietnam in 1975 as Saigon was falling and the American troops were leaving Vietnam. Her book revisits the effects of Operation Baby Lift on one family through three compelling timelines. I've read the book as the mother of a child who was adopted from Vietnam. It just intrigued me, and I was so taken in by the book. You're going to love it. You're going to love Susie, so please be sure that you are subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk on your favorite podcasting platform so that you can hear my interview with Susie Finkbeiner. That will be coming out next week. Thank you so much for listening to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I do appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And we will see you next time. 